you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Pew Research Center released a religious survey recently. The survey was how the pandemic affected religiosity in a number of different countries. We knew the pandemic was affecting religiosity in a few different ways, but this is well-researched data that we can use to get a better view of the situation. They actually asked them two different questions in the survey. They asked if their own religious faith became stronger, and they asked if they believed the virus strengthened other people's faith. So in the U.S., 28% of people surveyed said their faith had become stronger as a result of the outbreak. And the same number, 28%, said they believed the religious faith of others in the U.S. became stronger. For the most part, that's reflected all the way down. In every country, people believed it was strengthening people's faith at the same rate that they felt it strengthened their own. But there is some deviation. In the Netherlands, for example, only 7% said it strengthened their own faith, but 17% said they believed it strengthened others' faith too. The Netherlands isn't particularly religious, though. The U.S. is an extremely religious country. So naturally, they were at the very top of the list. Next in line was Spain. 16% said the pandemic strengthened their faith. 15% in Italy, 13% in Canada, and 10% in Australia, the UK, France, and South Korea. But interestingly enough, the same survey also asked people if religion is very important, somewhat important, or not important at all. And they compared that to people who said they think it strengthened religiosity in the country. Of the people surveyed in the US who said that religion has strengthened their faith, 45% of those people said religion is very important to them. But only 11% said it was somewhat important, not too important, or not at all important. So here's the bottom line. The pandemic polarized people. Dramatically. If you were already pretty religious, it made you more religious. If you weren't that religious before, or you weren't religious at all, for the most part, you kind of left church and never went back. I know in the case of Jehovah's Witnesses, the pandemic caused them to hemorrhage members like crazy. The brainwashing got unplugged. People were leaving like mad. So much that they actually started going in reverse. They started net losing people. That was fantastic news. But the people who stayed became more radicalized. We see the exact same process playing out in politics. Trump radicalized a lot of people and freed a lot of people too. They saw how insane the Republican Party was getting and parted ways. If nothing else, we can say with confidence that 2020 was the year of polarization. You guys remember Josh Feuerstein, right? He's the radical right-wing pastor who got famous for telling Starbucks his name was Merry Christmas, so they'd be forced to say Merry Christmas because, you know, there's a war on Christmas or something. He also did a video about masks. He said he'd never wear one, and to those who say he should, he had one word. Bah. He did that for like five straight minutes. It was awkward as fuck. Dude is honestly an embarrassment. Anyways, it turns out he was one of the speakers at the Stop the Steal rally in D.C. January 5th, the rally that led up to the Capitol attack. I had no idea he was there. Here's what he said. Quote, Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible declares that the thief and the enemy has come, but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The Bible declares that it was David that defeated the lion and the bear. Unfortunately, today, we don't fight lions and bears. We fight liberals and rhinos. Unquote. In case you didn't know, rhino is a term thrown around a lot by Trump supporters right now. It means Republican in name only. Now it basically means anybody who claims to be Republican but doesn't support Trump. Anyways, let's continue with the quote. I close with this thought, as I am echoed 
rode by Patriot Preachers and the Black Robe Regiment. It was the preacher Emerson that stood here, a Black Robe Regiment, from his pulpit and preached to several hundred one Sunday morning when he took off the black robe that signified that he was a preacher and he said, there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. And now it is time for war. And so today, I stand with the Black Robe Regiment and I am one preacher declaring to patriots, it is time for war, let us stop the steal. End quote. This is the kind of language people were using leading up to the Capitol insurrection. Words matter. People listen when this guy speaks, and they do what they believe he wants them to do. Same with Trump. Multiple people at these rallies leading up to the insurrection spoke with this kind of language and rhetoric. It's honestly no surprise at all that this happened. I would be surprised if it didn't happen. They were trying to rev people up and get them to get physical. They were trying to get them to take control of the government, take out congressmen so they could be replaced with patriots. They almost succeeded. The speakers at the events need to be held accountable. I hope they get arrested and charged with inciting an insurrection. What they did falls into a narrow area of speech that isn't free. There are certain things you can't say and do, even in America, which has very free and open speech laws, all things considered. And I respect that. I like the fact that our free speech laws are so open. But there has to be a line. Everybody has one. The U.S. even has one. And legally speaking, I believe they crossed it. You can't yell fire and a crowded theater. You can't incite a riot. Will they face legal repercussions for this? Probably not. Extreme right-wing Trump-supporting pastor David Barton had something interesting to say on his show recently. He said, quote, We're getting attacked because you love Trump and you're a cult for Trump. What happens is you cannot back away from engaging in the debate. If they want to call me a homophobe, I say, Oh, so you're a heterophobe, are you? Just turn it back in the other direction. Say, you've got this bias against heterosexual people. You can't disengage from the debate just because they're being mean or just because they're saying things about you. End quote. Now that's interesting. He's trying to give his audience gaslighting and propaganda strategies to deal with criticism. This is called thought-stopping techniques, or thought-terminating cliches, well-studied in psychology. Instead of listening to the criticism and honestly considering it, you're supposed to deny it, attack the other person, and reverse the victim and the offender, aka Darvo. It's a pretty common abuse tactic. It makes the other person feel like they're to blame. They're the one at fault. People throw the term gaslighting around a lot without really knowing what it is. They tend to misuse it. The term came from a movie movie in the mid-1900s, back before everybody had electricity in their homes. They used to have natural gas lines running to their houses, and they'd have these lamps connected to them. You'd light the lamp and turn the gas on. That's how they lit their house. Well, in the movie, this guy kept turning the gas lights up and down so the flame would get higher and lower, higher and lower. And he was telling the woman in the movie that she was crazy. The gas lights were exactly the same height as they were before. It came to the point where she was questioning her own sanity. She didn't know what was real and what wasn't. It goes beyond lying. It's about about taking a piece of information that people know without question, something they can see with their own eyes, and denying it to their face, telling them the exact opposite is true. The end result is a person being gaslighted starts to lose their grip on reality because they feel they can't trust their own senses or knowledge. At the end of the movie, the woman finally found somebody who told her that the gaslights really were going up and down. She found what's called a ground, a link to reality, somebody to affirm to her that she really isn't crazy. But that's what gas Gaslighting is. That's the whole strategy. My dad used it on my mom. She is a very broken individual, even now, as a result of gaslighting that took place over 20 years ago. It doesn't get lower than that. And that's what David Barton is teaching his congregation to do. He's teaching them to shut down criticism and flip it on the other person. 
You guys remember Deanna Lorraine, right? She's the InfoWars quote-unquote reporter I covered recently who spent like 15 minutes talking about how much she loved the insurrectionists and how you can't call yourself a patriot or a Republican if you're criticizing them. She's a QAnon supporter, or at least she was before the election. Well, she's back in the news. She said, quote, I, for one, am sick of just looking at clues and taking guesses and kind of following down a rabbit hole where it leads to nothing, and there's just a lot of broken promises that are not delivered. A patriot it doesn't blindly follow a plan. We shouldn't be blindly following anything or anyone, especially when there's no evidence for that plan ever materializing. Every time this plan was supposed to happen, or Trump was supposedly playing 5D chess and supposedly setting traps or about to do this, at no point in the last four years has that trap ever been closed. Has the chess move ever been checkmated by Trump? None of these hopes and ideas have ever been fulfilled. Not one. So a smart person looks at the evidence, looks at historical evidence, and looks at a track record and doesn't keep doing or wishing for something that has no evidence for it being able to materialize. End quote. Wow, so I guess she's backing off the QAnon stuff now. She's probably upset that Trump just left office without pardoning her insurrectionist buddies or anything. Why didn't he pardon them anyways? He could have, with basically no consequences. They were fighting for him. They did exactly what he wanted them to do. It just so happened that some Capitol Police and some Secret Service agents were on top of protecting them. If they'd all backed away and let things play out, it probably would have ended much worse for Congress than it did. I mean, there were gallows hung out back. Either way, Trump would have had to have done a lot more than pardon the insurrectionists to keep the QAnoners. You guys remember the Q shaman? Dude was arrested within days of the insurrection. Massive Trump supporter. Massive QAnon believer. Well, his lawyer came out recently and said he'd be willing to testify against Trump. Holy shit! The claims made by the QAnon group were pretty intricate and specific, and as Deanna Lorraine said, they never materialized. They claimed Trump was about to have all his political opponents arrested. Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and even even the Bushes. They were all part of the deep state. They pushed it to the very last available second with their conspiracies, even claiming that it would happen at the inauguration. QAnon supporters even watched the inauguration for that exact reason, to watch Biden get arrested before he was sworn in. And nothing. I have to say, it's pretty entertaining to watch their conspiracies crumble right in front of them. I've been following Johnny Enlow for a while now. I even did a whole video about him on my main channel the other day. He's one of the many preachers who worked Trump into their prophecies, prophesied that Trump is going to be president for the next four years, claimed that God told them that he would. They even got really specific with it. They said that God told them that Trump would be a hinge of the ages. He received the Cyrus anointing. That comes from a verse in Isaiah 45 where Cyrus returned the Jews to Jerusalem after Nebuchadnezzar took him away. These preachers said that God told them that he usually leaves voting up to the people in the U.S., but this time around, God was taking it out of our hands, and he was installing Trump as the political leader himself. So how do you think they reacted after Trump lost? Their entire belief system was just invalidated. They said God specifically said he was going to install Trump for four more years. He had absolutely no chance of losing the presidency. That's what they said. Well, Johnny Enlow has come up with a new explanation for what happened. He was on the Elijah Streams YouTube channel and website recently with Steve. Schultz, and he said, quote, There's all these dimensions that the Lord is coming to affect and change right now, and President Trump still has a very active, viable role in that. Believe me, God is doing things with him, and I don't want to get into it more than that. End quote. Wow, he is seriously claiming special knowledge after all his failed predictions. I love it. Let's continue. Quote, Trump's not a passive player. 
He's recognized from heaven as the primary government leader on planet Earth. People need to know that. From heaven, President Trump is recognized as the primary government leader on planet Earth. End quote. Well, that's weird. The primary leader on Earth? The U.S. only encompasses like 350 million people. That's only like 4% of the world's population. Sure, the U.S. is pretty politically powerful. Because for one thing, we had a lot of innovation in the past 200 years or so. We have social media companies. But the most powerful? I don't think so. The European Union holds a lot of power. And so does China, for better or worse. The U.S. is only one piece of the puzzle. Trump is not the political leader for the world. He isn't even the political leader of the U.S. He has literally no political power. The only power he has is the power to destroy the Republican Party by splintering it. Something I'm really hoping we get to see. But I think the traditional Republican leaders will probably talk him out of it, sadly. Anyways, it's hours of endless entertainment to watch these preachers flail around wildly while they try to come up with explanations for why they were right all along. Before we take a look at all that, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is one 800 701 8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Telltale, I got a question. I know that the more educated a country is, there is a general trend that it'll have more of an atheistic population. But the thing is that the U.S. education is pretty bad, so how is the U.S. projected to have a large proportion of atheism slash agnosticism? Thank you. I appreciate that call. I actually spoke to Apocalyptic Heater about this already, but I requested they call in with the question because I thought it was kind of an interesting question anyways. My original response was, first, I think the U.S. is extremely religious. We might be losing religiosity, but it's still majority religious. Second, I think we're losing religiosity because most people see extremism in religion and it jars them out of it entirely. And third, I think there's a disparity in education. Some education is very good. Other education is very bad. Over the past year, there's been a lot of polarization. And I talked about this on the podcast recently, but there was a Pew Research study a survey where they asked people if the pandemic strengthened their faith or weakened it, and if they thought that it strengthened the faith of other people in the country. Now, if I can remember correctly, I think 28% of the U.S. said it strengthened their faith. And 28% believed that it strengthened the faith of the country overall. In reality, it polarized people heavily. The pandemic led to people either leaving religion behind, never going back to church like we saw with Jehovah's Witnesses, or it led to people locking themselves into religion even deeper and refusing to leave no matter what. I'm from Ohio, and I was just going to ask you what you think about uh, the new era with Joe Biden and what's going to happen to all the people being tried for treason and sedition who stormed the Capitol. Do you think that they're going to jail will just strengthen the persecution complex of the cult? Like, do you think they'll become, like, like pseudo-martyrs or something? Or will they actually be punished and it'll wake people up? Just interested to know your thoughts on that. Thanks for all you do. Interesting question. I think what's going to happen is a small percentage of the country is going to view those people as martyrs. But when it first happened, before the Republican Party had time to do damage control... 
only 5% of the country approved of what they did and believed that they were patriots. 14% didn't have much of an opinion on it, and the rest of the country believed that what happened was wrong. Now, since then, those numbers have changed because the Republican Party took the time to do damage control. But generally speaking, many of the tech companies like Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and all of the others, they banned a lot of conspiracy theory accounts like QAnon accounts, for example. And those are the exact types of accounts that would engage in apologetics for the insurrection, which means there aren't as many people around defending the insurrection anymore, not in public spaces like Twitter or Facebook. So I think that the insurrectionists will be viewed poorly by most of the country, by mainstream society. They're going to be viewed as what they are, insurrectionists. But within their little community, within their little pocket of extremism, they're going to be viewed as heroes and martyrs, just like you said. This is what happens when people get deplatformed. The members of the group that were deplatformed become more radicalized and more polarized, and the people on the outside of it are no longer as affected by the propaganda and the rhetoric that they had to offer in the first place. We watched this happen with Alex Jones. Since he was deplatformed from YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else, he had to go to his own website, which means if you didn't know who he was before, you're probably, you're less likely to find out who he is now because he was so censored, rightfully so in my opinion. He was advocating for violent action, and I, that's my personal moral line. If you're violating for violent action, I don't want you in the public sphere anymore. I don't want you in prison. I'm just okay with them removing you from the public sphere because violence is inherently a bad thing, generally speaking. So when Alex Jones is kicked off of the platforms... His little group of extremists felt like martyrs. They felt like he was a martyr for the cause. And they became more radicalized. But you know what? There are fewer people in society now being convinced by Alex Jones that Parkland or Sandy Hook or any of the others were faked. That's what Alex Jones had to offer society and that's why he was removed from public view. So his followers became more radicalized. Mainstream society became more protected. And that's what's going to happen in this case, in my opinion. Hello, Owen. Um, this is Nye. I'm from New York. Um, I'm an XJW. I wasn't baptized, but I was very involved in the religion. Um, and I'm also a trans male. So, you know, with my family, you already know how that goes. But really, my question here is, um, I went to a funeral this past weekend, um, unfortunately, uh, it was on Zoom, and they had an elder who was not involved with the family give a talk on death. And it's just, I wanted to know your perspective on why they take advantage of people who are grieving um, to try to promote the the religion. So yeah, that's that's it. Thanks. 
generally speaking, obviously, Jehovah's Witnesses use every opportunity to try to cram religion down people's throats. I was actually on Twitter not long ago, and there's this Jehovah's Witness who kind of roves around Twitter, I guess you could say. I think their username is simply me or something like that. Anyway, they go around and search for people who talk about deaths in their family or funerals or, or some tragedy. They look for tragedies that people are talking about. And then they go to those tweets and they start talking about Jehovah's Witnesses and how they can, you know, give you relief and, and give you solace and, and all this other stuff. It's pretty fucked up, actually. Jehovah's Witnesses and cults more generally have always looked for emotionally vulnerable people. They want to find people in an emotionally vulnerable state so that they can use that against them. That's how it's always been. But as you mentioned, they tend to hold talks at people's funerals that isn't about the person at all. In my opinion, funerals are supposed to be a farewell to that person, a representation of who they were, the life they lived, and what they were all about, and what we can take from their experiences. That's what a funeral is supposed to be about, right? And who better to deliver that message than one of their family members? But Jehovah's Witnesses don't do it like that. They have an elder get up there and give a talk about how Jehovah will save us all and we don't need to worry about death because blah, 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 blah. Now, my mom is inside of the religion and I know when she dies... Jehovah's Witnesses are going to hold a funeral for her, and they're going to use it to try to bring more members in. Even though she's the last person in my family who is currently a Jehovah's Witness, everyone else is left. My brothers, my sister, my aunts, my cousins, they've all left except for my mom. So I talked to my brother about it. He's probably the one who's going to be handling the whole thing. He decided that he would allow the congregation to hold their little service for her. And then we take custody after that and hold our own service for people outside the religion. The sad part is my mom doesn't have friends outside the religion. She doesn't know anybody outside the religion, really. So all of my mom's friends, all the people that she spends her time with and knows will be at the Jehovah's Witness meeting. The only people who will be at the funeral outside of Jehovah's Witnesses are me, my two brothers, and my sister, most likely. Maybe my mom's sisters and family members. Maybe. This religion is nothing but toxic. When we come back, we're going to talk about Josh Feuerstein's speech just before the Capitol insurrection. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
So the first article I wanted to look at is titled, It is Time for War, Joshua Feuerstein Told Trumpists on Eve of Insurrection. This is on rightwingwatch.org, and it was written by Peter Montgomery. I'm sure you guys know who this is. I'll get more into who this is in a little bit, just in case you don't. Joshua Feuerstein, a hard-right evangelical online personality, declared at a January 5th pro-Trump rally in Washington, D.C., it's time for war, stop the steal. The next day, a violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol interrupted congressional affirmation of Joe Biden's Electoral College victory and left five people dead. Holy shit, man. Look, there are limits to free speech, as I'm sure everybody here knows. There are legal limits to free speech. You're not allowed to do things that directly lead to violence, like yelling fire in a crowded theater. That directly leads to people getting hurt, and that's illegal. You can go to prison for that, right? Seems to me what happened on January 5th and January 6th directly led to violence. Five people died that day because of what was said at those rallies. I don't know how this guy, Josh Feuerstein, isn't in jail already. If you don't know who this guy is, he's the person who went to Starbucks and tried to start this Merry Christmas campaign because he's convinced that there's there's this war on Christmas. He believes that raging atheists are trying to prevent people from celebrating Christmas. As if I don't celebrate Christmas myself. As if I didn't have a Christmas tree up. Like, I fucking love Christmas. It's the best holiday ever. But he's convinced people are out to get him. So he goes to Starbucks, right? Starts this campaign where he goes to Starbucks. And he tells them, my name is Merry Christmas. Because they're supposed to write your name on the cup and then call your name when your, your, your coffee is ready or whatever. So naturally, trying to stick it to the man... He tells him his name's Merry Christmas so that they have to use the words Merry Christmas. As if anybody told them not to in the first fucking place. Like, give me a break, man. These people are just... I don't know, dude. These people are unhinged from reality. Like, they, li they live in their own weird little world. So that's who Josh Feuerstein is. And as we just read, he was at the January 5th rally leading up to the insurrection. So let's keep reading the article. The rally featured right-wing leaders mixing Christian nationalism, Trumpism, stolen election conspiracy theories, COVID-19 denialism, and threats of violence. Feuerstein was one of several speakers who talked about the Black Robe Regiment, colonial-era preachers who mobilized the men in their congregations to join the war for independence from the British. Yeah, I didn't know what Black, Black Robe Regiment was up until very, very recently. It's a super specific term, um, but... You know, these people are so obsessed with 1776 and the, the revolution and the, the civil war and all this stuff. Like, unhealthy level of obsession over this stuff. Anyway, let's watch this, this clip of him talking and see what it has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible declares that the thief and the enemy has come but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. For the last 40 years... Look at this asshole in the background dressed up like in like revolutionary war garb. Like they are seriously obsessed with this whole war thing. Like they really believe that we are entering a period where they're going to fight a war. They're going to secede from the U.S. or some other nonsense. FYI, that was made illegal 
after the Civil War took place, states cannot legally secede from the U.S. So I don't know what they think they're going to do. I mean, Texas talks about seceding every every year, basically. It's not possible legally. The, the U.S. government, the federal government, owns the land. They can't take it and leave. Let's, let's keep listening. Liberals have tried to steal elections and destroy the Constitution, but patriots have come to Washington, D.C. to make their voices heard that we will not allow them to steal this election. There is a particular passage that perfectly parallels the perilous times in which we live. That was some serious alliteration. I loved it. That perfectly... Wait, what was it? I, I got to step back and hear that alliteration one more time. Let's just... Let's, let's rewind and hear that. There is a particular passage that perfectly parallels... Particular passage that perfectly parallels... The perilous times... In the perilous time. I was that intentional? That must have been intentional. Five P's in a row? That doesn't just happen. That that was either an act of God or he did it intentionally. Which we live. The Bible says that the shepherd David was on the backside of a Judean hill tending the flock when a lion and a bear came to steal the little lambs. Why did God put David there? He put him there to stop the steel. I find that really interesting. So let me extrapolate from the message that he's trying to give us here, right? From my understanding, what he's saying is that God doesn't act on his own ever. He makes things happen through the people around you. He never just snaps his fingers and says, you know, this is how it's going to be now. Apparently, he's trying to make the point that if they want change, they have to do it themselves. And he's saying that this is what God wants. And I know that because I speak for God, I guess. I don't know. That just seems like a real slippery slope to me. You see, the liberals and leftists know that if... Oh, and one more thing. He keeps referring to liberals and leftists, generalizing people, putting them into categories and groups and attacking them as a whole dehumanizing them that's bad that is a bad sign that kind of thing leads to atrocities labeling one group of people as something evil you know whole cloth with no nuance in there whatsoever he keeps referring to liberals and leftists as the evil that needs to be defeated that kind of rhetoric is extremely concerning to me you see, the liberals and leftists know that if you come in the spirit of a predator like the lion and the bear and you take one little lamb today, it will be another. They're depicting themselves as, as little lambs and liberals as like lions and bears. Isn't that fascinating? Their enemy has to be simultaneously weak and ineffectual and also strong and powerful at the same time. Which is it? Do we control the entire country? Or are we weak and feckless and useless? It can only be one. 
little lamb tomorrow and another little lamb the next day. But we as the church of the living God are standing up saying we're not just mad at hell, but we're mad as hell. The Bible declares that it was David that defeated the lion and the bear. Unfortunately, today, we don't fight lions and bears. We fight liberals and rhinos. Again, using language, liberals and rhinos. I'm sure you guys probably know this, but in case there's somebody out there that doesn't, a rhino means Republican in name only, rhino. It's somebody who basically doesn't support Trump, pretty much, in this context. Somebody who doesn't agree with me and is also a Republican, just like I am, or claims to be a Republican. But notice the, the language that he uses here. Fight lions and bears. We fight liberals and rhinos. We fight liberals and rhinos. That type of violent, angry, fighting language is very concerning. And he's targeting specific groups of people. This is genuinely scary. This is genuinely wrong. And I, I truly believe this guy should be in jail for inciting violence. I feel that he broke the law. And let me speak to right side broadcasting to every cowardly congressman or limp-wristed, weak-kneed, sissified senator like Ben Sass. Ben Sass, the, I think, congressman, uh, senator for... Uh, Nebraska is who I think that is one of very few Republicans along with Mitt Romney who spoke out against Donald Trump and said that he what he was doing was wrong and little Mitt Romney there you go and son of a Mitch McConnell we say you cowardly congressmen and sissified senators better stand up tomorrow like shepherds and stop the steal there was literally nothing they could do. It was out of their hands. Josh Feuerstein, though, he specifically said they need to stand up. I'm assuming he was saying he wanted them to stand up and object. Like I said, it was completely out of their hands at that point. It was purely ceremonial. It had already been counted and given to Biden at that point. There was nothing that even Mike Pence could do. Nothing that he could have done. Close with this thought as I am echoed by Patriot Preachers and Black Robe Regiment. A Black Robe Regiment, uh, that would be a reference to the pastors who were trying to get their congregations to fight in the war before. I think in the Revolutionary War. That's what that's from. So he's saying he stands with the Black Robe Regiment and he actually wants people listening to literally stand up and fight to accomplish their political goals. That's what he is saying here. It doesn't get clearer than that. As I am echoed by Patriot Preachers and Black Robe Regiment, it was the preacher, Emerson, that stood there, a Black Robe Regiment, from his pulpit and preached to several hundred one Sunday morning when he took off 
the black robe that, that signified that he was a preacher. And he said, there is a time for peace and there is a time for war. And now it is time for war. And so today I stand with the black robe regiment and I am one preacher declaring to patriots, it is time for war. Let us stop the steal. Is that fucking concerning to anybody else? That was no way around it, a call to violence. That's what that was, period. That was a call to violence. No nuance in there, no, well, you know, maybe he was saying this, maybe he was saying that. There isn't any room for that. He literally just called people to violence. And that is exactly what happened. This guy is genuinely dangerous. Josh Feuerstein is leading people. He has a congregation where he preaches. This kind of thing. Is this concerning to anybody else? Let's keep reading this article. Feuerstein had declared the 2020 election to be a civil war that will change the face of America forever at the 2019 American Priority Festival and Conference. Feuerstein has gained notoriety with online shenanigans, including the claim several years ago that Starbucks holiday season Red Cup was part of a war on Christmas. Yeah, I remember um, Starbucks just made red cups, you know, because red is kind of a Christmas color, right? So they made red Christmas cups, and he said this is part of the war on Christmas. Instead of having some more clearly marked Christmas cup, they have red, just plain red. It's wrong. His video has been criticized for suggesting violence against providers. and No, he didn't suggest it. I remember he came out and said it. He said, tonight we're going to get even. Tonight we're going to make these people fear for their lives and stuff like that. Like outright says it. He should be in prison for inciting violence in all seriousness. This isn't even the first time he's done it. Like, outright, directly calling for violence. His video has been criticized for suggesting violence against providers and generating death threats against a bakery owner who declined to make a cake with an anti-gay message on it. His Instagram account recently featured posts denouncing Vice President Mike Pence as a Judas and a traitor. In September, after Feuerstein's Facebook account was suspended, he used his wife's account to announce that he was starting a new church, America's Church, in Plano, Texas, that he said would never back down, back up, or be silenced. I actually covered that on uh, my podcast when it came out, uh, his announcement that he was starting a new church. I really feel bad for the people who go to that church and are truly brainwashed in this shit. But you know who I genuinely feel the worst for? Those people's kids. Let's take a look at Super Chats. Tyler Cross, did you see what the Rochester police did to the little girl? It was pretty disturbing to watch. I heard about it. Did not watch it. You're running for cro for Congress. Holy shit, that is awesome. How old are you? Are you old enough to be in Congress? Also, follow up, is it state Congress member or is it federal? And is it House member 
or is a senator. That's awesome. That's that's pretty fucking cool. I know a little bit about your political beliefs, and I would say you and I agree on a lot more than we disagree on. So that's good news. I, I really like to hear that. Ray Anime Girl, are you sure that Rhino doesn't mean the Rhino Party in Canada? From what I heard, they were pretty funny. Pretty sure it means Republican in name only, at least in this context. Faye Ellen Schwarzentraub. There's a Jim Jones rant about apathy from the LA Temple, if I recall correctly, that sounds just like Fierstein in that video. I know, a lot of these preachers have, like, really similar cadences, you know? Like, Jehovah's Witnesses have very specific style of speaking. I don't know what it is or why they do it. And I don't know why certain preachers do this either. It's like, it's really hard to replicate too, unless you practice probably. But when I was really little, uh, I went to my my brother, his wife at the time. So my sister-in-law, I guess. My sister-in-law at the time, her grandmother died. And we actually went to the funeral, which we could have been disfellowshipped for as Jehovah's Witnesses. Did not know that at the time. I didn't, anyways. But we went to the funeral, and there was a preacher there that turned it into a full-blown fucking sermon. And it was like a southern sermon with, like, I don't know. I'd have a hard time replicating it, but it's something like, And then God, uh, uh, then God said, uh, he said to Jesus, uh, you know what I mean? It, it's hard to, like, repeat, but it, it was that kind of, like, cadence where he kind of puts an uh at the end of everything. And I almost heard Josh Feuerstein doing that exact thing in, a, in his political speech just now. I don't know what the deal is with that and why people do it, but it really does stick with you. So maybe that's why they do it. So back to the super chat. There's a Jim Jones rant about apathy that sounds just like Feuerstein in that video. That's probably where they got it. Probably a similar cadence to kind of old style Southern preachers, you know. Anyway, thanks for the super chat on that. Giuni the Apostate. Hello, fellow apostate. Over one week in and Trump is still not president. I know, it's fucking glorious, isn't it? Oh my god. I never get tired of seeing those words. Trump is not president. Just brings fucking joy to my heart. I love it, man. Uh, Tyler Cross, I'm 24, turning 25 in July. I'll register for the election then. I'm running for Indiana U.S. Rep. 7th District, Indianapolis. Very cool. So does that mean it is federal? Or does, wait, it's an Indiana, when you say U.S. rep, I assume that means federal. Is that right? That's very cool. I would absolutely love it if you could, like, get off, like, get, you know, get into office. That would be fantastic news in my eyes. Love to see it. I would recommend writing up policy positions and stuff. Godless blessings. It is hypnotic induction when they talk like that. That, yeah, it's on the bite model. You're right. Uh, it's on the bite model as uh, chanting, what is it? Mindless chanting, singing, and prayer to put people into almost a meditative state. That's true. That's a good point. Faye Ellen Schwarzentraub. Apostolic preacher style, maybe? Yeah, apostolic slash Pentecostal style slash Southern Baptist. That that type of thing, I think, describes it pretty well. Liam Pava Acosta. We need more progressive Congress people to join AOC's group. 100% agree with you on that one. 100% agree. We need to make the squad bigger because right now we have a competing squad. Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, what's his name? Cawthorn something Cawthorn and um, Bobert. Although, you know, I feel like there's a false equivalence there. Um, the squad with AOC and Ilhan Omar and the others aren't 
crazy. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Cawthorn and Bobert are, they're just, they're not connected to reality. Especially not Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's making a name for herself right now, talking about Jewish space lasers and shit. And she's, she's out there. She's an interesting fella for sure. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor David Barton teaching his congregation how to use propaganda. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at is titled David Barton, If People Call You a Homophobe, Call Them a Heterophobe. This is on the Friendly Atheist website. It's written by Hemant Mehta, so let's give it a read and see what it has to say. Christian pseudo-historian David Barton has never had a good academic response to facts. It turns out he doesn't have good responses to insults either. So there's this clip is from rightwingwatch.org it's actually from their twitter account so i wanted to give it a, a watch and see what he had to say let's listen we're getting attacked because you love trump and you're your cult for trump what happens is you cannot back away from de- engaging in the debate this is where you run to the roar and if they want to call me a homophobe i say oh so you're a heterophobe are you just turn it back in the other direction so- fascinating turn it back in the other direction huh That is actually a propaganda technique and an abuse tactic. So we're going to talk about how that, how those things apply specifically in a minute, but let's finish the clip. So you've got this bias against heterosexual people. You can't disengage from the debate just because they're being mean or just because they're saying things about you. Let's get back to the article and see what Hemant Mehta said about it. It has all the intellectual heft of conservatives shouting cancel culture in response to anyone facing consequences for the stupid things they say. It's also utterly disingenuous. Supporting rights for same-sex people doesn't mean you oppose them for straight people. That's how inclusion works. Barton doesn't understand that because his entire career revolves around spreading the dumbest arguments he can think of to the dumbest Christians he can find. That's a really good point on Hemant Mehta's part. But I wanted to talk about, specifically, the logical fallacies the propaganda techniques, and the abuse tactics involved in this, okay? So first of all, the logical fallacies involved here. There's something called the tuquoque logical fallacy. It's also known as the no-you fallacy. The idea is instead of answering the criticism, you're trying to turn it back on the person. You're trying to make them answer your questions instead of answering their questions. That's the logical fallacy being used here. The propaganda technique being used here is redirection and reframing. He's trying to teach his congregation how to reframe a situation to avoid criticism. And the abuse tactic that's being used is called DARVO. And I wanted to read this article about DARVO. It's on Medium. Uh, Now, Medium isn't a particularly reliable source um, by any stretch of the imagination, but this is just a basic description of what DARVO is. Uh, You can get this information from anywhere, Wikipedia, or even a book, like a psychology book, like they talk about it and everything. So let's read the article about what DARVO is. Remember, what David Barton was saying is a good example of the DARVO abuse tactic. 
So let's read about DARVO. DARVO is an acronym for a response observed in many guilty people when accused of misconduct. It stands for Deny, Attack, Reverse Victim Offender. DARVO is a clear and simple pattern that you will see everywhere once you learn to identify it, like the Fibonacci sequence of aggressors. Here's from the Wikipedia page on DARVO. DARVO is an acronym used to describe a common strategy of abusers. Deny the abuse, then attack the victim for attempting to make them accountable for their offense. Again, the Tukwokwi fallacy and the reframing propaganda technique, thereby reversing victim and offender. Psychologist Jennifer Freed writes, I've observed that actual abusers threaten, bully, and make a nightmare for anyone who holds them accountable or asks them to change their abusive behavior. This attack, intended to chill and terrify, typically includes threats of lawsuits, overt and covert attacks on the whistleblower's credibility, and so on. The attack will often take the form of focusing on ridiculing the person who attempts to hold the offender accountable. The offender rapidly creates the impression that the abuser is the wronged one, while the victim or concerned observer is the offender. Figure and ground are completely reversed. The offender is on the offense, and the person attempting to hold the offender accountable is put on the defense. Inherent in DARVO is the idea of gaslighting. Now, I don't know if you guys know what gaslighting is. It's a term that's thrown around a lot and misused. But it came from a movie in the 1930s, I think. I don't remember what year it came out. But anyways, the movie was basically about this, the, this guy and this woman, right? And they live in this house together. And back in the 1930s, not every house in the U.S. or, or in the world had electricity. I think it was a reasonably new thing at the time. They were just experimenting with it. What they used to keep their houses lit at night were these lamps that were connected to natural gas lines that ran all the way through the walls in the house. So what they do is they would light the, the flame with a match and they would turn the knob and it would release more gas, which makes the flame bigger, or release less gas by turning it the other way and make the flame smaller. That's how you turn the lights up and down and on and off, right? Well, in this movie, this guy is intentionally fucking with this woman and is turning the gas up and down, up and down. And she's like, is the gas like, are you, are you changing the gas for the lights? Is it going up? And he would say, no, you're crazy. It's not happening. He kept denying it and making her feel like she was insane. That's where the term gaslighting came from. By the end of the movie, what happened was she found something to ground her to reality. She found a person to, to affirm to her, yes, what you are seeing is actually happening. The lights are dimming and getting brighter. That is happening. That's what gaslighting is. It's not as simple as lying. That it's, It doesn't boil down to that, really. It's an intense abuse tactic that people tend to use and that's basically what this guy is is doing that's what this guy is teaching people david barton is teaching his congregation the darvo technique deny attack and reverse victim and offender thus the cycle of gaslighting begins he's teaching his congregation how to use propaganda techniques and how to be 
mentally abusive to the people around them so that they can defend themselves and shut down criticism when people don't like the fact that they're extremist Trump supporters. It's really, really sad to see pastors working so hard to defend such a moral monster when he's not even the president anymore. Let's take a look at Super Chats. Nacho Raj, love your work. I had a question. Are there Hare Krishnas? Are the Hare Krishnas a cult? I don't know. I would have to look into it a little bit more, but I will tell you this. I am currently working on an iOS app that's basically a test, asks you a set of like 50 questions, and it will help you determine if the group that you're dealing with is a cult or not. If you guys have any recommendations for other features for the app, I would be interested to see what you guys think, how we could make it better. But I don't know. I'm kind of excited about it. I already have the questions written out, but I want to make it into a website first because I know how to do websites and I don't have to pay a dime for that. I just do it myself. And then I'm going to model the app after the website, basically, after I get all of the heavy lifting done. Wow. See, somebody is getting fucking upset in the... Uh, live chat right now jesus this dude is not happy trump 2024 biden is not my president i'm sorry man he is he is he is your president whether you like that or not uh i know that 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 really hurts your feelings but that's just what it is brother that's just what it is darvo sounds like what kellyanne conway's been doing to her daughter claudia yeah it does i can't really comment on that because i don't know enough about it I don't have the information I would need to talk about it at length, but it does seem like that to me from what I know. Was the cigarette Owen smoked that led to his ousting left or right-handed? Well, I'm left-handed, so yeah, I was probably hold holding it in my left hand, I would guess. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Johnny Enloe claiming that Trump is Earth's representative in heaven. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at is titled Johnny Enloe says Trump is recognized from heaven as the primary government leader of planet Earth. This is by Kyle Mantilla on rightwingwatch.org. QAnon conspiracy theorist Johnny Enloe, who, who, by the way, we've talked about him very recently. We talked about him last week on the podcast, and I talked about him on my main channel. So if you haven't seen those, you should go watch those after you watch this clip. Anyways, QAnon conspiracy theorist Johnny Enloe appeared on the Elijah Streams YouTube channel on Friday, where he declared that Donald Trump is recognized from heaven as the legitimate president of the United States and that God is actively working to make it a reality here on Earth. So I actually covered part of this interview between Johnny Enloe and Steve Schultz is the guy's name. He is the one who does the Elijah Streams YouTube channel. And Elijah Stream's website, maybe. Or Elijah List website is what it's called. Anyway, everybody in my sphere, basically, has been watching for Johnny Enloe to release, like, a new clip, basically. Because he 
made a ton of claims. Massive QAnon supporter, massive Trump supporter, massive nutcase all around. And he made a bunch of claims about exactly what was going to happen. He was very specific about it, about how God was going to take the election out of our hands. He was going to decide the election for us. Usually he lets us take our turn at this and do it ourselves. But this one's too important. This election was too important. God's going to pick Donald Trump for us this time. That's what he said. You know, here we are. Uh after inauguration and Trump isn't the president. So what's Johnny Enlow going to say? Everybody was sitting here with bated breath, wondering how he was going to respond to it. So let's give this video a watch and see what Johnny Enlow said about it. This is basically his first appearance after the inauguration. And so there's all these dimensions the Lord is coming to affect and change right now. And President Trump still has a very... Uh, active, viable role in that, and he will still step in on the playing field itself. He's even under the playing field. Believe me, God is doing things with him, uh, and, and I won't go into it more than that, but he's not a passive player. He is recognized from heaven. I won't go into it more than that. He's trying to make it out like he has special knowledge that God told him he's not allowed to reveal yet. That's what he's saying here. And for the record, in this exact interview, a little bit later or a little bit earlier in the same interview, he tried to establish the fact that he is a prophet and that God speaks to him directly and gives him secret information, even stupid, useless information. Like, for example, he claimed that God told him where to find, like, zinc mines and salt mines and stuff in Peru so that he could tell the Peruvian government and they could go mine and make billions of dollars off of it. Why would God give a shit about that? Seriously. How is that evidence that you're a prophet? I don't know. The guy's just bizarre. But anyways, let's continue with the clip. And I won't go into it more than that, but he's not a passive player. He is recognized from heaven. He is recognized as the primary government leader on planet Earth. People need to know that. From heaven... President Trump is recognized as the primary government leader on planet Earth. President Trump will serve above board as well. He will serve above board, and God is going to do this, and it's going to be fairly quick what he does. But this is something he did speak to me earlier. He didn't give me dates. He never gave me a date on anything, just that he would win. Talking about God, I guess. God never gave this guy dates about when he was going to make Trump the, you know, the, the political leader or whatever. But Trump is already recognized as the political leader, not just of the United States, but of all of planet Earth. In heaven, he's recognized that way. Is this guy off his fucking rocker? Are you serious? Trump isn't even known as a political leader in the U.S. anymore, let alone the Earth. He's a nobody now. Like, he has zero political power. And once again, Johnny Enlow is making the one cardinal mistake every cult leader has learned you're not supposed to make, which is don't make hard predictions about things. But you notice he, he said, I'm not going to give any dates, or he didn't give me any dates. That's the key, isn't it? Johnny Enlow actually believes in this biblical conspiracy theory, I guess. It's, it's very 
complex, but it's worth understanding. I think I talked about it on my video that released recently on my main channel. But the idea basically is that Trump had the Cyrus anointing. Now, I don't know if that still applies. I don't know if Johnny Enlow believes that currently or not, like after Trump lost the election. But from my understanding, Trump would have to have won the election to retain or to receive the Cyrus anointing at all. Let me tell you how they got to the conclusion that he had the Cyrus anointing and what it is. Isaiah 45 talks about the Jews' journey from Jerusalem to Babylon after Nebuchadnezzar came and Bab and Jerusalem fell and then he enslaved the Jews in Babylon and then Isaiah 45 refers to Cyrus a pagan king I believe from Persia coming to Babylon freeing the Jews and bringing them back to Jerusalem so the idea is Cyrus was a pagan, but he was used by God to accomplish a goal. And they believe that since Trump was the 45th president, he has the Cyrus anointing, which was described in Isaiah 45. You know, Isaiah 45, 45th president, there's some weird loose numbers connection there. But to have that anointing, I guess Johnny Enlow said... Trump has to serve two terms or it doesn't apply. And it turns out Trump just wasn't significant at all in the belief system. That's what he said before. Well, it turns out Trump didn't get two terms. We know that now. So how does Johnny Enlow explain that away? I guess he explains it away by saying that Trump is recognized in heaven as the political leader. I don't know what that means logistically for Trump. Like, what, what can Trump possibly do? Does he command God or God's army of angels or what? I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means. It means nothing in reality. But Johnny Enlow did just say in this clip that he was going to have a... that he wasn't done and he was going to play a major political role in the world again, but he wasn't given any solid dates. So I guess the next step is for Trump to basically die of old age, right? Like then this conspiracy will be proven wrong again. Anyway, let's keep listening to Enlo and see what else he had to say here. Speak to me earlier. He didn't give me dates. He never gave me a date on anything just that he would win. Here's the deal. I don't call myself prophet. I don't put it on my website. I don't. Uh, I don't announce myself as Prophet Johnny. A lot of people do. And in fact, that's how I'm announced most. And when I'm contacted, when I'm called, when government leaders contact me, that's... Why the fuck are government leaders calling this guy? That's fucking disturbing, right? Is it just me? If you don't believe that you're a prophet, then you would reject those claims. When people call me a cult expert, I reject it. I do not call myself a cult expert. I am not a cult expert. I'm a cult communicator at best. I don't feel like I could take on the title of cult expert without going through college to get a degree, like a PhD in this or something. I mean, this is a serious studied field that people go to school for like decades over. You can't just start calling yourself an expert just because you want to. That's not how this shit works. What 
they they call me and if you receive me as a prophet if you believe you're a prophet then call yourself a prophet if you don't believe that you're a prophet then reject it when other people do it i think his real fear here of calling himself a prophet is the fact that he wants to live under an uh, a government that basically has laws similar to the Old Testament. That's what dominionism is, and he is a dominionist. He wants the U.S. to have Old Testament laws as our laws. That's what he wants. And in those laws, if you claim to be a prophet and you're not, you'll be stoned to death. That's what happens. So I genuinely think that he's he's shooting for the goal of living in a United States that has Old Testament laws as our laws, and he doesn't want to risk a stoning when that actually happens. When government leaders contact me, that's what they, they call me. And if you receive me as a prophet, I'm a prophet. If you don't, I'm not. That's ambiguous. I don't sit here and say... If you think I'm a cult expert, I'm a cult expert. If you don't think I am, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a cult expert. That's just what it is. I love talking about this shit. I love studying this shit. I've researched the hell out of it. I know an awful lot about it because sometimes I get people sending me uh, information that they went through a lot of trouble to find, like call, you know, calling the FBI and, and filing freedom of information requests to get classified information declassified and sending it to me. So I happen to know a lot about this stuff, but I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. Why is it so fucking difficult for this guy to sit here and say, I am not a prophet? Why can't he just come out and say that? If a prophet to you means, do I get everything 100% correct, including timing, nuance, everything, every detail? Yeah, that's what it means, because God is speaking directly to you, right? Why would God mislead you into saying something wrong? Either God's talking to you or not, right? If you tell me God said Armageddon is going to take place in 1975 and then Armageddon does not take place in 1975, I'm going to start doubting that you have a line to God, just like Jehovah's Witnesses did. So yeah, if you're telling me that God is speaking to you, I expect you to get it correct. Otherwise, what fucking use is it? Absolutely not. So if that's your criteria for am I a prophet, then I'm not. That should be the criteria. What other criteria would there be? So if I'm not and I'm telling you, I go with that for you. Then you can't stone me either because I'm not a false prophet. Interesting. I guess he really is concerned about getting stoned to death, isn't he? I will tell you for those who don't know, you know, I have met with the mayor and said, there's soon going to be discovered in your city two salt mines. And it was discovered. I said, there's going to be a silver mine discovered. It was discovered. There's going Why the fuck would God give a shit about any of that? Why would God care? Why would God tell him any of this shit? You would think that God would be passing down important instructions about what's about to happen to the world or how to make the world better in, in one way or another or, or whatever else. Why is he telling this jag off where to find salt mines so that he can get rich off of it? This is fucking bizarre. That's not where the clip ends. There's actually an article written by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website about this. The title is Lying Preacher. 
Heaven says Trump is the government leader on planet Earth. So let's give it a read and see what it says. Pastor Johnny Enlow, who once said our nation's future would involve the terms BT and AT, before Trump and after Trump, that QAnon was going to be proven so thoroughly that the score of the college football championship was a sign that Trump would remain in power, is still spreading conspiracy theories. This time he's saying Trump is still president, according to Heaven. Here's a quote from the video we just watched. Believe me, God is doing things with him, and I, talking about Trump, and I won't go into it more than that. But he's not a passive player. He is recognized from heaven as the primary government leader on planet Earth. People need to know that. From heaven, President Trump is recognized as the primary government leader on planet Earth. This is Hemant Mehta speaking again. Forget the popular vote. Forget even the electoral college. All that matters now is whatever the courts of heaven say. Enloe should go even further and tell conservative Christians to just stay home for all future elections, since God's got everything under control. Not only would that mean following his own advice, he'd actually be doing everyone a favor, but he won't ever say that because even he knows he's full of shit. That's actually an interesting point because Johnny Enloe actually said in this video about before Trump and after Trump that God told him... It's out of our hands. Trump is going to be president. God usually gives us the choice of who we elect, but he's going to he's going to make the choice this time for us. Your nation will be known as before Trump and after Trump. And he said the nations will be known as before Trump, after Trump. And the Lord, it was like, I'm really not interested in your all's vote this time. I'm doing it. I usually give you all that option. This time I'm not. This is a rescue operation from heaven. This is this is a, a a moment of the ages. This will go down. This time period will go down as a before and after AD. What happened, man? What happened? I thought Trump was going to be president installed as a dictator by God. Did did God drop the ball? Did he change his mind and just not tell you? Did he tell you that it was okay to tell other people this? What happened? Something happened because Trump isn't president and you specifically told us that God told you that he would be. Was God talking about Biden the whole time by mistake? I mean, did you think he was talking about Trump because you liked Trump, but God was actually talking about Biden? Did God install Biden as the president specifically? Did he take it out of your stupid hands for that specific reason? This guy has no shame. This guy has zero shame. You know what he's going to continue on to do? He's going to continue on to make false prediction after false prediction until the day he dies. He's going to continue calling himself a prophet until the day he dies. And he's going to continue embarrassing himself until the end of time. Let's take a look at Super Chats. Tammy Janeiro. Eastern Flower, no better way to celebrate six years sober than watching my favorite intellectual call out some top-tier BS. Give the kitties some nom-noms for me. Will do. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. I think I am eight years sober now, I believe. Congratulations, by the way, uh, Eastern Flower, on the sobriety. It's fucking awesome. It's not an easy journey, so I'm proud of you that you could do it. I'm proud of me that I could do it. Uh, I do have a little bit of catnip. They have catnip pillows that they went fucking 
nuts over. Oh my God, they freaked out over those pillows. It was so, like, they just sit on the floor rubbing their face against them for like two hours straight. Their pupils are this fucking big, you know? I think they got kind of worn out on the uh, catnip pillows though. Amiga is better than Atari. That's, that's a tall claim. I don't know. Um, Amiga had better graphics than the Atari did, I think. I don't remember. I I know my brothers really, really wanted an Amiga when we were younger, but we didn't ever get one. We got a, a an original NES from a kid in our congregation. It was broken, and my brothers opened it up and fixed it. It was something really straightforward, too. I don't remember what it was now, but anyways, that was kind of my first game system, the NES, back in the early 90s. I was probably... Five or six, maybe six. And I was born in 89, so 1995 is when we got that NES. It was eight years old by that point. Are we getting the kitties stoned? Not at the moment. I'm not opposed to the idea, though. Uh, you know, they have catnip around. I'm not sure where, but they would get wrecked from that catnip. The orange floofy one is a heckin' chonker. That is quite true. The orange floofy one is a heckin' chonker. That one's meeky. That's... Wrote my girlfriend Rose that that's her cat but we, when we moved in together that cat just sits with me constantly she's always with me she sits in my lap while I work all day sits next to me on the bed at night she just loves me to death I, I think I get that impression do you have a dedicated Raspberry Pi for retro gaming I do in fact I 3d printed it it's a case it's cheap you know terrible color it's silver instead of gray and it's got these defects on the bottom. It's just like the plastic where I printed it. I could sand this down and paint it if I wanted, but I just never got around to it. But there's a Raspberry Pi inside. Um, and here's like the SD card that you put in there. So yeah, I do. I do have a Raspberry Pi in Super Nintendo form that I use for this. I was thinking about making these and selling them on Etsy or something, but they'd be really expensive. Just the parts alone would cost like $200 or something. They're very, very elaborate, expensive, and difficult to make. Uh, I made a bunch of them for Christmas for my friends one year, a couple years ago, and they absolutely loved them. My brother got one too. Fucking awesome. Is the orange floof a Maine Coon? Yes, the orange floof is a Maine Coon. An orange Maine Coon. She's a good kitty. She's sitting here guarding me, protecting me from stuff. Good kitty. She's a good kitty. <laughs> okay, let me get back to reading. I'm a collector myself, but I don't have any older consoles except the N64. I didn't grow up with those consoles either. I grew up with the original Xbox and PS2 and GameCube and 27. Yeah, I think I grew up with the Super Nintendo. I always had one console back because that was the cheaper console. And my parents, you know, they didn't have much money. So I ended up getting a Game Boy in the late 90s. Like, I think after the Game Boy Color had already come out. And then I got a Game Boy Color after the GBA already came out. Then I got a GBA after the DS was already out. I got a PlayStation 1, um, but the PS2 was already out by that point, too. How do you check your Linux servers for hackers? Um, I have a lot of software that I keep running to pre prevent, like, brute force stuff from happening, IP banning, and I also check var slash log slash messages to see if there are any questionable signs in there plus virus scanners malware scanners that kind of thing zero way i can pm you have some topics i'd be interested in discussing with you sometime i'm on a pre-show on discord every time before the podcast like 8 30 
on Discord, I get in a little group of like 12 people and we just talk there. If you wanted to talk there, you could. Or you can just tweet at me. I talk on Twitter all the time. I saw a video game. I have that costs about $300. That's pretty fucking cool. I have one of the rarest video games ever. It's Jack Bros for the Virtual Boy. And I'm so fucking proud of that game. It is worth way more money than it was when I got it. Holy shit, the value has gone up a lot. Uh, plus, I have the manual for it. Ray Anime Girl, how old does a game have to be to considered vintage or some, something like that? It changes year to year. I think right now the Wii is considered retro. The Wii generation and back. But Wii U, uh, PS3, Xbox 360, and newer, those are not retro yet. I own basically every mainline retro console right now. I have the NES and the Genesis and the SNES, PlayStation, Virtual Boy, every Nintendo handheld console. I have the Sega Saturn, uh, the PS2, the N64, GameCube, Xbox, Wii. I don't own a Dreamcast, though. I don't own a Dreamcast. I fucking love retro games, man. I, I love retro games. I don't even... Some of these games really suck. I don't even play them. Do you know what this game right here is worth? Stanley Cup NHL. It's worth about 25 cents. And I will never play this game. It's terrible. But I love the fact that I have it. I just love having the, the, this stuff around. It's really cool. Tech-wise, Xbox 360 is retro. Interesting. I would like to get a 360, a PS3, and what's the other one from that? Uh, the Wii U. Yeah, the Wii U. I'd like to get those three, but they're a little further down on the list. Anyways, if you guys are interested in retro game stuff or you guys are collectors or anything like that, check out my Etsy store. I have some cool stuff. I discovered recently... I. A disproportionate number of game systems came from my friend Brian. Like, he sent me a lot of game systems. He sent me my PS2. Uh, I mean, he gave them to me. Like, just straight up fucking gave them to me. The last one I got from him was an Atari Lynx in the box, original serial number, worth like 200-something dollars. And it was because I gave him one of these for Christmas. I, I, I printed it for him, and I threw the pie together just because he's like my best friend. And he, he gave me the, the Atari Lynx that he had owned since he was a little kid for it. It was fucking awesome, dude. I don't know. I just love that guy. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.